Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right. You know where you are. You know what time it is. You should know who this is. I am Tyler Chef. I am your host for this week's episode of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, we're going to talk about private money, okay? Because I see a lot of folks not taking advantage of some amazing opportunity that's out there in the marketplace right now because I hear the common thing, I don't have the money and we got to get you past that. So next couple episodes, I'm going to do uh, what I'm going to call a private money crash course. Now, for those of you that, that know, I do have a course called the private money crash course. And basically I'm going to go through elements of that here on the show to help you get a better understanding for how, what steps you can take, what specific steps you can take to help yourself raise private capital. Because here's the thing, if you're depending, if you think getting any sort of wealth opportunity is is even really remotely possible depending on an institutional bank, I got news for you. If you've been paying attention to the news, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on. Now, as I record this, it's, it's Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. Yesterday, feds dropped the rates by half a percent, half a point. That's huge, which makes a lot of folks run to the marketplace and start buy, 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 buy. But it also has another whiplash effect that we need to be careful of is it causes us sometimes to make dumb decisions. The beauty, guys, of raising private capital in, 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 instead of borrowing money from a bank is it really fo- helps you focus on, number one, structuring better deals. Because I hate to tell you, the banks are in the business of loaning money because it's profitable. And here's how this works if you're going to go to a bank. They're not really looking out for you. If you are looking at single family or small multifamily under four units, they're going to base the value of the property on an appraisal that uses comparable sales. So think about that for a second. Now, if you base your, your valuation of a property based on comparable sales only, you're going to overpay for a property. I guarantee you're going to overpay for a property. Why do I know this for sure? Well, because everybody else is overpaying for properties right now. Those properties that everybody else overpaid for become your comparable sales that the appraiser uses to arrive at your value. So what you're doing is cutting your nose off to spite your face. And I've seen a lot of people lately in my local market of the Tampa Bay market buying properties. That's why I did that art, that uh, episode on off market is a lie. People are buying properties and way overpaying for them, going through wholesalers, going through even seller direct because they they see the competition coming. They figure if the bank will loan them the money, it must be a good deal, right? Absolutely wrong. The banks are, are there to qualify you, especially on one to four unit properties. They're not looking really at the deal. They're looking at you. So if you've got a good job, you've got good credit, you've got a, a decent uh, history, chances are they're going to do your deal because they can easily assess the value and make the value make sense when they use the comparable sales model. Reality says that the facts are, because you guys know I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt. We're going to tell you the facts. We're going to keep you out of trouble. When you're raising private money, you're held to a little bit, a lot more scrutiny. It matters. Your credit doesn't really matter at all. At least it shouldn't uh, when it comes to raising private capital. What matters is how strong the deal is, which means you're going to have to get good at analyzing deals and negotiating and structuring, putting deals together in order to be able to successfully raise private capital. Now, some of you probably thinking, well, I know lots of people that have invested in crappy deals. Yes, there are a lot of people out there that have more money than cents. The stock market has had its issues lately, and that has caused a lot of people to jump out of the stock market, jump into real estate. The problem is they still have a speculation mindset, you see. They're still speculating. Even though they realize that they got their hand slapped by speculating in the stock market, they're just doing the exact same behavior in the real estate market. And what happens is they wind up investing in deals where they either the 
sponsor, the syndicator, or the investor, depending on how the deal is structured, overpays for the property. So you're just buying into a, a crappy deal. What you're going to see in the coming years, short term, I, I would say that within the last, within the next couple of years, is you're going to see economic shifts. It's not avoidable. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. When you see these economic shifts, you could possibly see even see rents go down. This is why it's so important to make sure you structure really, really good deals. So I'm not going to belabor that point too much. I want to talk about a post I made in the Cashflow Guys community on Facebook. That's our little group page there. And I asked a question, what are people's biggest hurdle to raising private money? And a lot of the responses came in with several different things. Self-doubt was a popular one. Uh, fear of asking for money, that's a real popular one. I, I get it. People don't like asking for money. Fear of losing someone else's money. I get you there, man. I have that same fear too. And that's why I've become one hell of a negotiator and one hell of, a, of an underwriter so that I don't fall into these traps, okay? Everything here that we talk about is avoidable. Understand that. You can overcome this. It just takes additional understanding, education, call it what you will. Another thing that was popular is fear of rejection. That people are terrified of being rejected. I totally get it. I totally understand it. Nobody likes hearing no. We're going to talk about some ways you can overcome that, okay? Imposter syndrome. I had this one, something wicked. Imposter syndrome, that can be a challenge all in itself here, I'm telling you. Start not really feeling like you're smart enough, you're good enough, your deal's strong enough. You start beating yourself up. That gets pushed off to your leads, to your tenant or to your uh, possible investors, and the whole thing falls apart. So first of all, let's hit the first one, self-doubt. And again, self-doubt and imposter syndrome are very similar. There are differences. I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist but they're very similar in many ways. However, they do have their differences. So let's start with self-doubt. You can overcome self-doubt by understanding how to structure, or for those of you who are engineer brains out there, how to underwrite. You know, I know they like using the word underwrite because it makes you feel smarter. Underwrite a deal to be sure it's profitable. Okay. Once you understand how to how to evaluate a deal and you see where the profit comes from, you're going to be able. You're going to immediately be more confident because here's the thing: you're going to pass on deals where it's not crystal clear where the profit's coming from. You're going to get away from these raw speculation deals that don't have any basis in fact. And that's one of the things that a lot of people overlook is if I say to them, where do your numbers come from? They look at me like I got three heads. I've asked syndicators. Syndicators have come to me, want to leverage the audience and want me to raise money for their deals. When I start poking holes in it and asking questions like, where's the where's the profit coming from? How did you, what methods did you use to verify the rent on these properties? They start looking at me like I got three heads because I guess they're not used to making, getting those questions asked. They just, people, a lot of people just blindly assume, well, if so-and-so does the deal, I see them on Facebook all the time and, you know, laying in a pool with hot women around them, it must be good. That's not how it works, okay? Not everybody's Grant Cardone. I understand that. When you understand how to structure a deal, you will find the other pieces falling into place, okay? That's the important thing here. But you first have to get there. You've got to get to the point to where you really get what the deal looks like. One of the ways you can do that is I've had this free course out for a while. I'm getting ready to make some additions to it. Go to howtomakedeals.com, howtomakedeals.com. I'm going to say it again, howtomakedeals.com. It's a free course. It's four videos, soon to be a couple more, where I walk through step-by-step step how you can break down your deal and see where it's profitable and how to fix it if it's not, the things you can change and the things you can't, how to verify the different steps of the underwriting process. This isn't rocket science, boys and girls. Howtomakedeals.com will get you over the hump. It's going to give you that preliminary information. If you get hung up, which you shouldn't, but if you do or you want more information beyond that, get on my calendar. Okay, You can get on my calendar. You all know how to get on my calendar.
calendar. You go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler and you book an appointment and we'll talk through it. But first I want you to go through howtomakedeals.com, howtomakedeals.com. One more time, howtomakedeals.com. Go there, take that course. It's going to give you a deal analyzer form. That's going to help you make sure you don't forget anything. It's going to take you through all the different questions you should be asking yourself and the seller, the broker, the wholesaler, whoever you're dealing with to make sure nothing is overlooked. It's absolutely free. Just go do it. Get the form, go through it. If you get stuck, send me an email. Get on my calendar, whatever, we'll work it out. Next, fear of asking for money. Well, I'm gonna go right back to if it's done right, you shouldn't ever have to have to ask anyone for money. Money should be asking you to do business with you. The difference is I gotta ask yourself, are you being a lighthouse or a tugboat? You know, a lighthouse is out there shining a bright light. You should be out there shining that bright light. That goes back to marketing. We've talked about that, we've beat that to death. A lot of you are just afraid to even do marketing. So if you're not willing to do marketing, you think that marketing comes down to asking people for money. It absolutely does not. As a matter of fact, it's pretty much illegal for you to advertise begging for money and offering or making offerings unless you're dealing with accredited investors and following very specific rules. So that's not a valid objection in my opinion. I get fear of asking money, asking for money. We're going to talk about that, but you first got to understand, I'm going to go back to the self-doubt. You're not going to be asking for money from anyone. If you understand how your deal is profitable, you're going to be pretty darn proud of your deal. And you're going to be telling people about your deal. And they're going to be like, man, that's a great deal. I wish I could get a deal like that. How do I go about investing in that deal? And see, now we've changed the parameters here so that you're not asking them for money. They're asking how they can invest with you. Fear of losing someone else's money is a popular one. It comes from not really understanding how your deal is going to support itself. That's code for speculation. A lot of folks out there are speculating right now. Well, I can raise the rents $200 per door. Not really. They're going to say, I'm going to do it in six months. Um, no, you're not. Unless you're going to spend a whole bunch of money on rehab and you're going to completely change out tenants. That's the thing. Guys that are flipping up and girls that are flipping houses, you're not really clear on what your exit is. That word ARV that Ron Legrand, I think, invented has been beaten and abused. Nobody gives an accurate ARV. I have never seen a property sell at or above ARV ever, ever, ever in my, in my entire life. I've been doing this 20 years, never seen it happen. So forget about ARV. If you're flipping houses, you're speculating, that's a fear-based situation. That's why you're having trouble raising money. Maybe change your strategy a little bit or prove it to yourself better. When you believe in it, when you trust the results, you trust the data, you trust the accuracy of what's going on in front of you, you're going to be more confident. That's just common sense. The more confident you are, the more you, that's going to ooze out of you and people are going to get comfortable behind you. If you are one of those people out there that's re doing really good at flipping, like you guys know my friend Amanda Young, for example. Amanda and her partner, she's got two partners uh, now, they do a great job, Lori and Joe. They're great flippers, but they're conservative and they're smart. See, people come to them wanting to invest with them. You don't see Amanda running around town begging for money and she don't have to because she's smart, she's driven, and she's ethical and she has a track record. And I know that's not fair. She's got a track record. I don't. Well, how do you get a track record? Well, you get off the couch and you do something. You see, Amanda doesn't sit home on her ass doing nothing. She's out there pounding the pavement, talking to people, adding value, and people see that. And she talk, shares it sometimes on social media, and she never has to ask for money. Never once. People call her on the phone and say, please take my money so that we can get involved in one of your flips. There's a lot of folks out there, there's a majority of people out there that don't want to do the work, but are absolutely okay taking a share of the profits. And frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. That's called being smart. If you can link up with somebody that's flipping houses that does a great job is responsible that is trustworthy like her partner joe is an ex-police officer i love the guy i've never met him in person but just watching him on social media knowing he's a friend of, of amanda's gives him instant credibility in my book also he's a law enforcement officer which i'm an ex-law enforcement officer we automatically trust each other for the most part so that's good stuff so ask yourself guys what are you putting out there to the universe that's going to indicate uh how people are going to react to you
Okay. If you do this, uh, howtomakedeals.com, it's a video series. It's got four of them. I'm going to be adding some more stuff to it. I strongly urge you to go over there. It doesn't cost anything. There's no gimmick, nothing like that. Howtomakedeals.com. It's my website. I own it. You'll see my mug shot as soon as you go up there. Anyway, remember, we don't have to ask for money. We don't have to beg. About fear of losing money goes back to the same thing. You got to understand how to structure deals. Okay. You got to understand how to break them down. You, when you're not asking for money, you're educating people on what you do. That has to be the mindset shift that starts right away. You've got to convince yourself that you're not asking for money because you should not be asking for money, guys and girls. Please do not ask people for money. Instead, work harder to be a better teacher. Bring more value to the market. Take a nugget that you're good at. If you understand, you take that little that, that little course, you go through it, you understand it, you're going to have plenty of information to be able to teach another person, find another human like you, and teach them what I taught you. That's going to build confidence. People are going to see that you know what you're talking about, okay? That you've done the research. Why do authors sound so smart? Because authors write books after doing tons of research, tons of pointed structured research. Here's a great opportunity, howtomakedeals.com. Fear of rejection. It's kind of hard to be rejected when you're attracting people to you instead of chasing after them. If you're chasing after them, that's not going to work, boys and girls. You're going to freak people out. Ever see these dumbasses that put ads on Facebook, which is highly illegal, by the way, begging for money? I've got a such and such flip and I'm willing to pay 15% and yada, yada, yada. That's a big no-no. You can get in all kinds of hot water. We had an episode with Jillian Sidoti, a private money rock star attorney, talked about that. There's whistleblower laws out there where people are taking screenshots of these ads and anonymously reporting people because people, I can't believe people still do that to this day. And there are people that get caught and get in deep trouble for doing that. It's not a good way to go. Fear of rejection really comes down to, it's it's hard to substantiate fear of rejection because really what you're doing is prophecy. You're setting yourself up for rejection. You don't know for sure they're going to say no. And frankly, if you don't ask a question, you're never going to get the no. If they come to you and say, man, I'd really like to invest in your deals. Where's the no in that conversation? There isn't one because they've trusted you. They have learned about you. You've taken time to teach them. You are simply their teacher. They build no like and trust. People sometimes get mad at me like, Tyler, it's, it's so easy for you to raise money because that's a bunch of crap. I mean, yes, it's easy for me to raise money, but that doesn't make me lucky. That makes me a good teacher. I teach people. This podcast is a great way for me to raise private money because people listen to me on the show and they're like, the dude really knows what he's talking about. Then they call me on the phone and say, I've got a self-directed IRA or I've got an IRA or I've got a retirement account. I need some help investing it. Can you hook me up? Sure. I can either put on my realtor hat and I can sell them a nice investment property that I would buy, or I can buy a property and have them come in and help me fund the deal. Either way, I've used the podcast and my ability to educate people to build no like and trust. Imposter syndrome is the last one I'm going to talk about. We're going to wrap this up. Many new investors feel because they haven't done a deal, or maybe their first deal tanked that they're not real investors or lack credibility. Guys, I get it. I went through that something wicked. Even after having, at the time, 16, 17 years in the business, I got into the multifamily space. I was like, well, I don't have 8,000 doors like, uh, what's his name? Grant Cardone or, or uh, Tim Bratz or one of these guys. I don't have the same credibility that they do. I'm not uh, one of these these guru guys. I'm not, what's his name? Brad Sumrock. I, I don't have all that, right? It held me back until I decided to stop letting it. I overcame this by surrounding myself with people that were smarter than me. I went out and built a team. I got attorneys and, and accountants and CPAs, bookkeepers, smart people, smarter than me, and I relied on them. You see, if I did a bad deal right out of the gate, my first deal was terrible. My first bigger apartment deal, it sucked, but I dug it out. I communicated with the investors. I went and found people smarter than me and we turned everything around and it wound up working out well. The difference is I didn't panic. Probably thank my wife for that. She helped me hold me down so I didn't panic, but it was a little rocky. That all came from, but the thing is I doubted myself so much that I let it hold me back. I didn't take steps that I would normally take. I basically set myself up for failure. 
Had I gone and gotten better at understanding how to analyze a deal and put myself in a position to where I talk about the deal, I would have made a better deal because I, I didn't talk to people about this deal before I did it. Yes, I found raised capital for it and all that as for this one bad deal. If I would have been talking to people about it proudly, chances are it would have been a great deal because I wouldn't be have the guts to talk proudly about what would be determined to be a, crazy, a crappy deal. So think about that, guys. Think about what we talked about today. I want you to go out there and do more business. And I know a lot of you aren't doing business and you're trying to buy the next course and you think you, the guru coaching and all that stuff's going to help you. And for a lot of folks, it does. But here's the thing. If you don't get this stuff under control that's right in front of you, the stuff we're talking about right here, then we're not going to get anywhere. In the next couple episodes, we're going to talk about the private money crash course. And I'm going to give you some actionable things that you can learn that you can start putting into your pitches right away that make you more comfortable, help you get in front of this problem so that you could be a bigger, better investor. As always, if you need more information, you want to get on the phone and talk about it, you go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. You want this free course, you go to howtomakedeals.com. If you want to dive in and take the private money crash course, go to privatemoneycrashcourse.com. I try to keep this stuff simple, guys. Privatemoneycrashcourse.com. I will catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.